Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald here with you. The show is back. The first month of the show's return is coming to an end. And what a guest to have on for the last show. I've been a fan of this guy for a while. I'm also really excited because he's a first-time guest on the Peas. He's never been on before. We've kind of, you know, been friends on social media for a couple years. I'm a big fan of the show that he does. I'm going to let him talk about but Ryan C. Showers is in the house. Ryan, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is, um, I'm very honored to, to be here. Uh, it's funny because last this time last summer, we were uh, recording an episode about, uh, about Drew Barrymore in Scream. That's right. That's right. Casey Becker, man. That was one of the uh, one of the, the most fun things I've done in podcasting in over five years because I'm such a huge fan, as you know, of the original Scream. And you know, with that, this like that's actually a good segue. I'll let you kind of take the helm and tell everybody a little bit about your show. Now, if they listen to me, there's at least a little bit of a chance that they're into horror because I'm so into it. I'm always bringing it up on this show. So why don't you tell them what you do over there with Scream, buddy? Oh, yeah, of course. So um, I have a, a podcast. It is called uh, Scream with Ryan C. Showers. Uh, I know it sounds very self-explanatory, <laughs> but it is what it is. And um, I'm happy with my title. But yeah, um, so now uh, it's just I it's a deep dive on the Scream movies. I love the I love Scream. I love the original trilogy. I grew up on them. And, uh, you know, whenever the new movie was like starting whatever they filmed it i had this idea for um a podcast about scream mm-hmm. and uh the, the ideas just started flowing out of me like i've these movies have lived in my head for you know 15 years and i yeah. uh, i have so much to say about them and i have different guests on just like you you came on i you were actually you know one of those legendary things about the scream franchise is drew barrymore's opening scene mm-hmm. and what I do is like, um, you know, each episode has a topic I call, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Sydney and scream three or mm-hmm. Gail and scream two. And you got, uh, Casey Becker, you got the big iconic thing that, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, I'm happy that, uh, somebody I'm, I'm happy that an inexperienced podcaster was bestowed with that honor. Yeah, but, no, I was, <laughs> I was a privilege and an honor to do it. And I think I sent you pictures, but my daughter and I went as Ghostface and Casey to this Halloween party, like a year before that. And, uh, I was like, you gotta let me talk about Casey Becker, man. You gotta let me get on the <laughs> mic. So thank you so much for letting me. And it was a blast. And it, it was, I, was it strategic on your part, Ryan, with Scream? Like, launching the podcast because it's such in the zeitgeist right now you know because 
we were fans in the 90s and into the 2000s, but it has even a newer generation kind of latching onto the franchise now. Yeah, you know, this is such a wonderful time to be a Scream fan. And mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest, I, I wish I could say I was that business savvy um, back then <laughs> to have been strategically planning out and calculating my move. Right, um, right. But really, it's just all worked out. Like, it's it's been a happy accident, and it's just a labor of love for me. And it's just, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about my podcast is I, I come from, I come to Scream with a very warm genuine love for the original trilogy for scream force and and of course the new film and uh that that's what guides me and that's what i really enjoy making the show and i have found you know because i was a member of the scream community before Mm -hmm. um the podcast it's not like you know it's not like I'm just some brand new person who then asked for something from people. I, you know, right. was a part of the community and then I built out from the community. Some people have made it akin to like, I made, made the fandom a podcast because it really is a celebration of these movies and analyzing these movies and taking them seriously as art. And, um, right. you know, I've, I mean, I've gotten so many amazing opportunities. I have a Patreon that's really flourishing. I have a strong uh, community uh, mm-hmm. behind me now. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm friends with like, you know, the directors of Scream 5. And, I know, uh, it's crazy. You know, yeah. Marianne Madalena, who was Wes Craven's filmmaking partner. Like I, you know, I've heard, I, you know, I text with her. Like it's so, it's so wild, you know. That and, is awesome, man. It is so cool. And I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. Like I've, I've known you from back in the next best picture days. We talked about that a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's all, it's awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. And especially as a Scream fan, it's, re- it's really awesome to see, man. So, you know, I, I wanted to have you back as the two P's are back and I was like I want to get some guests that I've that I've had before that I've you know been on multiple times but also want to have some new guests that have just kind of like for some reason it's always eluded you coming on the P's but you're here now and I said Ryan you're, you agreed to come on the show what's something you want to talk about and you kind of went through the history of the episodes I've done and you came up with what tell everyone what you wanted to count down tonight well, you know, before I had my own podcast, I was a, I was very well versed in the world of like, you know, the Oscars and all in all different kinds of movies and kind of being a very serious film critic. But for the past year and a half, I have yeah. been all scream all the time. And right. um, I was like, uh, you know, I, of course, I launched to, oh, we have to let's talk about horror franchises. And mm-hmm. you're like, you're like, mm-hmm. eh, no, um, that's, that's a Halloween thing. And I was like, damn it, I don't know what to do. But so, you are going to but you are going to do that. You're going to come back with with a couple other guests and we're going to have a roundtable for that in October. So get ready. I love that. So um, I turn ne- then to, um, you know, my, t- the two, the, the two people I love the most outside of Scream, um, which are like my two favorite like actresses back like in my Oscar days are Nicole Kidman and Amy Adams. And yes. I said, yes. you know, let's do a top five of one of those. I can talk about them until I'm blue in the face. Yes. So, and we went with ultimately Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman. And, uh, you know, I, I love Amy Adams, too. I, I love both of these women equally as far as acting resumes are concerned. But I just felt like Nicole Kidman, the, the pool was a little deeper. Is that fair to say? It definitely is. But it's funny you say that because then as I made, uh, I have a very, I have like a memorized, like solidified, like top five of her, uh-huh. at least top four. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. Like I'm, I I, th- I feel like I made the conventional picks even as, a, oh, as an expert okay. of Nicole oh. Kidman. Like, you know, I could talk about her very niche projects that very few people have seen yet i picked the the obvious ones but it's okay <laughs> well I don't, I don't want you to give away any uh titles at the top because i like to have the um the list kind of revealed in real time but you know what is it about her do you think because obviously we know your horror affinity we know your connection to scream 
But Nev Campbell's not really in that world. So where's the connection come from for you personally? So for Nicole Kidman, I, I you know, I've lo- I've uh, the minute I saw her like her act, her really act like truly act in like dramatic roles, I was mm-hmm. sold. And I th- I akin this this I think she and Amy Adams do have something similar, and that's something that I connect with with actresses. Mm-hmm. They are really good at telling the story of a character through their eyes, and like the internal the the internal story of the characters is g- goes through their eyes. And I as opposed to somebody like Kate Blanchett who is more theatrical and more surface if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. amy and nicole they're kind of, it, it's it's deeper and um again like just a very internal uh, and i think that's what really connects me with her and i just uh one thing i do love about nicole is uh how varied her resume is like she that's true she works constantly and she mm-hmm. does very wild and daring roles she takes chances and you know i you know i i wish that she was recognized more because in in all actuality she hasn't been nominated as many times as Kate, uh, Kate Winslet or Kate uh, Kate Blanchett but she deserves to be and it makes me um I feel like she's kind of an underdog in that in that sense like she's a massive movie star but she she's treated much better by the Golden Globes than she was by the Oscars yeah that's career. that's fair for sure yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of hers too man I think I'm more of a casual fan of Nicole Kidman but I I mean I love her I mean she just really lights up the screen when she's on there and you're gonna hear some of my favorites as I talk about them this evening, but I always love the guests to pick the topics, especially when we hone in on like one individual, which is what we're doing tonight, because I just want to hear, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like I'm a, I'm a Swifty. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. So like a few years ago, we did a Taylor Swift episode and I was like talking a mile a minute. I was so excited. <laughs> like I just wanted to tell everybody about how much I love her. I love her music and I love having guests on that feel that way and, and, and that pick the to pick the actors or the musicians or whatever that they're really into. So I'm excited to see, you know, do you think we're going to have any crossover with me being a casual fan and you being a super fan? What do you think? I bet we will. I mean, right. be just because there is such, um, because some of her performances are so legendary. I, I don't think we're going to have, I don't think we're going to be five for five. I bet we'll, I bet we'll at least have one crossover, but okay. I, I'm expecting you to probably pick more. Like if I pick the more <laughs> like establishment picks for her, yeah, I sure. feel like you're going to pick like the, the, some of the weirder ones or um, right. more artistic ones or something. I don't know. That's, I, we'll, I don't think we'll we're going to make that similar. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Ryan, I'm a big fan of yours, man. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, you're doing great things over there at Scream, man. So I figured it'd be cool for, you know, 30, 45 minutes to get you to talk about something other than Scream for the last like year and a half. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> take a little break, you know, just a little one. It's no big deal. Ryan, we're going to get things started with our Nicole Kidman conversation. Uh, you chose one of your favorite actresses here. So I'm going to let you get us started with your number five. Now, let's tell everyone, you know, because sometimes when we do this with actors and actresses, we do either the top five movies that the actors in or we do their top five performances. So I kind of gave you the choice and you said you want to do her top five performances in your opinion, right? Yes. All right. All right. So I just want to clear that up for everyone. What is your number five, Ryan? What do you got, man? So this was tough because there are like four or there's actually like probably four or five that compete for this. Um, and I'm depending on my mood, uh, it switches out, you know, um, but uh, and I don't think anybody else will ever pick this um, except for me. But mm. I really loved her performance this past year in being the Ricardos. Um, mm. It's it's a very controversial choice because I mean, this was a this was controversial from the get go. I mean, people really did not want her um, 
cast as Lucille Ball. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, not that I was like, not that I pushed back at it at the time, but I just observed. And I think people perhaps overreacted and didn't give her the full chance that she deserved. And I think people wanted to be right about her uh, for not for being miscast, but she's actually, I actually think Nicole does an amazing job as, um, as Lucille Ball because it's she's not playing Lucy she's playing Lucille and um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the she gets uh, the second half of this movie is all about her like it, she has like five Oscar scenes where she uh, gets like you know these monologues and like these moments where she's just kind of explaining uh, Lucy's uh, 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 you know the, the compromises that she's made in her life and uh, it was in regards to her relationship and her career and uh, the film kind of crescendos um, about how uh, how calculating she uh, um, Lucille Ball was about um, juggling her husband his infidelities mm-hmm. yet the show that they had and um the arc in her final big scene is so powerful um i i really i really do love this performance so i uh, sorry to the haters <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well uh i gotta tell you something man. i kind of agree with you and i'm gonna talk oh. a little bit i'm gonna talk a little bit about this movie later on my list so i won't elaborate too much but i will just say i mean it is divisive you're right and especially with with the academy this past year and all the, the hubbub around best actress and it was like a 50 50 split on her uh, in that conversation, but I was on the same side you're on, man. I thought it was a a tour de force. So I'm going to talk about it here in a little bit, but uh, I, th- I think it's a good pick. You know, I, uh, my favorite scene of hers is whenever she calls, um, sh- she calls the other two actors back to the, the set in the middle of the night. And she kind of goes through a history of, mm-hmm. of her relationship with Desi. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, as she's directing the scene, it's just so, I, I've never seen her do something like that. And like the fact that there are so many Oscar scenes, like back to back to back, it's, it's overwhelming what she does. Right. In, in right. that movie. So. Right. Yeah. She really takes it to another level for sure. I'll talk about it here shortly. However, my number five is the only thing that is on the small screen. And it was her uh, stint for two seasons as Celeste Wright on Big Little Lies, the HBO series. Do you ever okay. see that? Of course. I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I absolutely freaking love this show, first of all. I'm also madly in love with Reese Witherspoon. So, uh, but Nicole Kidman did an amazing job in this series as kind of this, um, you know, abused wife, spouse to Alexander Skarsgård in the film, the character that he plays. And also, all the women kind of working together for this kind of like, I don't know, it almost had like this mystery vibe and they just, the, the, the kinship that they had to have to kind of like keep each other's secrets. They would get under each other's skin, but they were also friends. And there was a lot of really cool storylines about all of their young kids because I have kids, you know, of, of elementary school age. So all those kind of storylines playing out too. But I thought, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman in this series really towed a delicate balance between like, you know, she was empowered when she was with the other women in the show. And then you would see how fragile she was when she was in her home life. And the acting performance that Kidman gave uh, really sold those two worlds to me. Um, And I love this show so much. So it was one of the best things I've actually ever enjoyed her in is uh, Big Little Lies. And it's on the small screen, but I wanted to throw it out there. What do you think about this show, man? And her performance. Well, uh, this is like a perfect um, like segue, kind of, because it's my um, I would I, it's, it's my number four. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, you can go ahead and talk about it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. I uh, this was such a 
wonderful time to be a Nicole Kidman fan because I think for a while, like after she won the Oscar, she was kind of uh, reviled by a lot of um, like film Twitter types. Uh, they saw her as like, you know, just desperate for trying to get another award. And um, a lot of the movies that she did kind of flopped in a lot of ways. Um, she really struggled to find her footing after winning the Oscar and kind of like that era of her career. Um, but she did get nominated for Rabbit Hole in, in the middle. But like other than that, there weren't many like runaway hits that she had. So right. this Big Little Lies was kind of like her comeback. And it came at such a unique time because this was post-2016, post-Me Too. And um, her storyline, obviously, I guess it wasn't post-Me Too. It was, it was at the same time as Me Too. Because yeah. her storyline kind of aligns with the Me Too narrative in a way. And like, right. the, so it was just like, a, a, it just caught fire, you know? And I, what Kidman does in this is actually, most of the time it's quite subtle. Um, and again, like there are, um, you know, she does a lot of work with her eyes. Like in that, um, in the finale, it's kind of an understated performance. It's amazing that she was able to garner that cultural, um, uh, th- that that cultural backing because it she it's a, I would argue that it's a more nuanced performance than it is um, an overt one um, in season one but then in season two I think it's actually some of her best work I remember just being floored at the last yeah. two um, mm. the last two episodes I, I don't mean to get super wonky but um, in season two like episode six she's put on the stand um, and she's kind of judged by a lawyer in court about why she chose to stay in a in an abusive relationship and it's it's a devastating episode and then mm-hmm. but then that that's countered in the next episode she gets to question meryl streep and kind of really push back at her um, yeah and be powerful and it's just it, it's just an amazing performance. yeah i mean in season two her versus meryl, meryl streep is like popcorn <laughs> like let's get it going here guys like it was just so fun to watch but it was also just like a clinic in acting the two of them were together and you know meryl streep plays her mother-in-law and mm-hmm. who's defending her son's honor kind of and his reputation and Nicole Kidman really held her own in in the show, but also against one of the, you know, arguably the best actors of all time in Meryl Streep. So uh, it was really fun to watch as as a fan of of acting. You know, I just thought they both really played off each other really well that whole season. Oh, yeah. The, the whole season, it was such a, an interesting dynamic. But um, and I just th- that last sequence, it's like a 10 minute long <laughs> sequence where it's just the two of them going back to back in court. And yeah. it is just it will floor you on both sides. Yep. Like, yep. Um, and I just love the contrast of Nicole, you know, the powerlessness of episode six when she's being judged by Meryl Streep's attorney and really made to look like you know an enabler in a way and then in in the next episode which is the finale she gets to reclaim herself and i I just i love that story yep so we we, we're crossing up there all over the place so far but that's fine so it was my number five big little lies it was your number four so to my number four is uh when i want to say and i hope it's okay for me to say this ryan this is when uh, nicole was like her hottest Okay, <laughs> uh, but that's coming from from my perspective. All right, but she was just so sexy in the mid '90s, and she did a movie with Gus Van Sant in '95 called "To Die For," where she portrays Suzanne Stone. So she just, you know, in this, she's just such a just a like she plays this character that is a news anchor, and she wants to be, you know, famous, and she wants to take over the world of news, and she wants to be the best and the hottest, and you know everything, and she just has that uh, uncanny ability to like kind of almost like play a bimbo kind of but at the same time like you don't you think she's kind of like playing everybody around her you know she's a lot stronger than what she appears to be 
And she just absolutely nails this role, man. It's just she sinks her teeth into it. And like I said, she's so sexy in it. There was another movie that came out the same year that she was also very sexy in. Uh, but she really uses her sexiness and her draw to appeal not only to the crowd, but to the other actors in the film. And uh, they kind of fall for her, too, throughout the movie. So I just love how she sank her teeth into this role. It's one of my favorite performances of hers. It's just like she's just hamming it up, you know? And it's one of my faves. Well, and I, I lo- to die for um, is not on my list. Um, so, oh, okay. Um, I, I, I assumed you were going to take <laughs> take care of to die for, um, <laughs> and I think she's brilliant in it. And it, a lot of people cite that as like you know, and it really that was her breakout. That's whenever she went from being you know this supporting actress kind of to you know somebody who wasn't just dating Tom Cruise, like this real serious mm-hmm, actress. I mean, mm-hmm. she came, uh, you know, she won the Golden Globe, um, she won the uh, Critics Choice Award, she was nominated for the BAFTA. She was so close to the oscar nomination like it's i wish that she would have been nominated for this just as like as a symbolic you know thing for her career because she probably like a passage right yeah but like you know and it's so over the top it's it's so campy like and i think a lot of Mm -hmm. her other performances are more subtle and and internal but this is like high camp and it's delicious but she also she's kind of sociopathic and um, right right um it's so funny because there's a scene towards the end where she is trying to convince somebody to keep their mouth shut about um, a plot you know to the trying to keep them quiet from the police and she turns so evil in this moment but she still has the hammy you know kind mm-hmm. of charisma of like a of a news anchor still in there it's it's such a it's a marvel of a performance it kind of reminds me of like a it's like a prologue to like films like and characters like in gone girl or something right right yeah for sure i could see that analogy so to die for i love that movie i actually haven't seen it in way too long i need to revisit it i probably haven't seen it in about 10 years but i just remember just being just drawn to her character and like you said it was campy and she hammed it up so that's my number four. Uh, let's see. You had Being the Ricardos, Big Little Lies, and now you're number three. What's that going to be, buddy? Okay. Um, so my number three is uh, the probably the biggest role of her career, which was Moulin Rouge. Um, mm, okay. I, I, you know, this, so this was her first Oscar nomination. And I swear, after, the, after this, she does, I would argue, become more internal and subtle. Um, but this is also kind of very theatrical. Because this is a theatrical movie. I mean, they, there's literally like a, a like a, a stage with curtains that open up as the as the movie starts so it's mm-hmm. she's playing that charisma and theatricality that's so important but she's at a 10 the entire time it's just like a movie star making performance and role like it's it's the type of performance that just overwhelms you she has an amazing singing voice um you know the emotion uh that she portrays um especially in the back half when she realizes she's dying and that she has to kind of um betray the love of her life in order to save his life it's it's a it's a it's a it's a devastating character arc and um she makes me cry every time so uh, i think this is like one of the 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 big moments in her career where she is just a powerhouse yeah for sure and it's uh boz lerman too so um you know that real bombastic kind of like it it just it just prays to be like this is the cinema, you know, like this is, we're going to go as grandiose as we possibly can. And I feel like Nicole really uh, does an amazing job in that setting too. Uh, this one's not on my list, Ryan, but it is in my honorable mentions. And I'm glad that it got a shout out on the top five because uh, it's a great film. I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's one of those movies that like you have to be, in, at least for me, I have to be in the mood uh, for it. But if I'm in the mood and I watch it, I freaking love it every time. So well, great pick. And the nice thing about the thing about Moulin Rouge is it's a love or hate movie just because like for the reasons you mentioned, but 
I, I've never met anybody who walks away from Moulin Rouge, even if they hated the movie, who don't, who doesn't think Nicole Kidman was the best thing about right. it and just sparkled. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hard to refute it, man. So there you go. Moulin Rouge is your number three. My number three is a pretty recent film, and I just had her... Uh, playing a news anchor in To Die For. So I guess I'll stay with the news anchor motif. Oh. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name Bombshell from wow. 2019. Nice. I freaking I love her portrayal of Gretchen Carlson in this uh, movie. I, you know, I love uh, Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie, in my opinion, were just such a, it was just such a powerhouse trio in this movie. They all did phenomenally well. Um, you know, I'm not a right wing person. I don't watch Fox News. I, I knew about the Roger Ailes stuff when it was in the news. And um, I knew who Gretchen Carlson was and Megyn Kelly and so on. So I had somewhat of a basis for the movie. But I think that helped me enjoy it. Um, not knowing like deep, deep into the original story and just kind of being able to, to disappear into these ladies, you know, portrayal. Now, of course, Margaret Robbie was, I think, a fictional character, right? I believe. I don't think she played somebody in real life in this. She was a composite but, character. Okay. So she was so based everything on that happens to her is like it happened in real life. It just happened to different women and they just kind of combined it and made a fictional uh, person. If that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, you know, it's all it's got to be so nerve wracking. I'm not an actor, but I would imagine it's got to be so nerve wracking to portray someone that's still alive. That's probably going to see it. And not only that, but like it just happened. Like it's a very recent news story. Like it just happened like five years ago. So I, I don't know this. I just really respect that. And I respect Nicole for being like, yeah, sure. I'll do this. <laughs> you know, and Charlie's for being like, yeah, I'll play Megan Kelly. Sure. Um, it just seems like such a daunting task to me. And I feel like she nailed it. Well, to be honest, I championed Bombshell. I wanted her to be nominated for this because I felt as though she was snubbed for a performance that's higher up on my list um, it, 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 recently before this. Um, and I, I wanted her to get that redemption nomination. And I, I, you know, she, this is a very underrated performance of hers because she does have the least amount of screen time of the three women, but she plays the most empathetic person in that. And like Gretchen Carlson is the most like centrist, moderate person in real life. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so she, Nicole, comes in with an advantage already but again here is where i think her subtlety really sells it like she's able to i feel like nicole's able to express so much about feminism with this role but Mm -hmm. uh there's a scene specifically where she in bombshell uh where her lawyers come to her house and no one at fox news is um standing up for her or defending her and she starts kind of you know she just subtly cries um you know to her lawyers um and just she says i thought somebody would stand with me and her Mm -hmm. kids are kind of playing in the background and she's trying to hold back her tears and that's kind of like the brilliance where i talk about like nicole in such a it's such a like her choices are so masterful like she could have played that scene hammy and gotten you know so much more attention for it than she did but she plays it so so efficiently and to the point um i'm not a right-wing person either of course um but i um i i'm aware of everybody um and i, I mm-hmm. love this movie i love the ensemble i love the concept i love what the film was trying to do um and i'm a, I'm a big fan yeah and you were talking about me too as well so this was obviously an important movie from that aspect also uh the time at the time when it came out it was kind of towards the end of the movement i would say it was like 2019 right this came out it, it was and you know yeah. it, bombshell is kind of a a sensitive subject for me because i really i wanted this movie to be nominated for best picture i wanted the i wanted this movie to be popular and successful and i feel like there was um some judgment and 
prejudgment from um, people mm-hmm. uh, like within film Twitter who, you know, no matter how good this movie was, they were never going to accept it or want to accept it because they, they saw it as empathizing with um, these women who work at Fox News who are conservative. And I kind of have a problem with that because uh, to me, that kind of reads like, oh, so conservative women don't deserve to be defended. Right, right. Uh, even if they get sexually harassed at work too. Like, I, I think <laughs> right. that's that's messy. And um, right. So that's what I loved about well, this. Well, it's, it's hard, it's hard in, in, in this country. And I'm not, I don't want to get too political on, on the episode or any episode for that matter. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's hard in this country to, it, it's a gray area if you start, if people start thinking you're trying to humanize somebody, but not everybody is an enemy to everybody else. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So arguably half the country watches Fox News. I mean, I hate it. I think it's, I, I'm not going to watch it. I'm never going to voluntarily watch it. I think it's just, you know, right wing propaganda. But, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? So the, the, yeah. what Nicole, what Nicole Kidman did here and, you know, Charlize Theron is Megan Kelly. It's like they're putting a face to this character that we knew in pop culture and they're humanizing them and they're making them a real person. And guess what? Regardless of what their political beliefs may be, they can still be sexually harassed. So I deserve to be defended. Yeah, sure. Liberal women do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, that's what's kind of really cool about Bombshell is like, I feel like it really pushes our, um, it, it, it pushes the boundaries here with what audiences are willing to accept and be spoon fed because, you know, I, I love that. I love things that challenge the system. And I think, um, I think Bombshell as a movie as a concept um, really does that because this was like a, a one of the first like Me Too films. Right. You know, the, the the movement had been going on for a while, but this was like one of the first stories to be told. And I think a lot of liberals were angry by the fact that the one of the first stories to be told was about Fox News. But at the same time, I still think this was this story deserved to be told. Absolutely, so, man. Absolutely, yeah. man. I agree 100%, obviously, as it's uh, pretty high on my list at number three. So we are up to our runner-ups, Ryan. What do you got at number two, buddy? So I am obsessed with this performance. <laughs> um, I'm picking uh, Destroyer from 2018. Uh, oh, um, okay. This is one I haven't seen. I'll just, oh, for, for uh, full disclosure. Oh, so tell okay. me about it. I so, wanted to. I just haven't yet. It's um, it's a genre piece. Um, so it's uh, so Nicole Kidman plays an LAPD cop, and she was undercover um, seventeen years prior, and she was involved in a really dirty bank robbery that that went wrong, and um, the guy she was dating was killed, and this is this caused her to become kind of um, a very bitter, resentful, damaged, flawed person, and she's ma- she makes a lot of questionable decisions um, along the way. And uh, she has a huge physical transformation, like with makeup prosthetics and like the way she walks and the way she talks. And um, she's such a broken, a broken person who is just living with the consequences of her actions. And um, the way that the story is told and structured really shook me to my core whenever I first saw it. Like I saw it in New York City and I probably walked for 20 blocks back to my apartment, back to my um, hotel. And I was just left so cold. Like there was, there's a lingering effect that happens with this movie. Um, Mm. And part of it is Nicole's performance because it's almost like a performance that Daniel Day-Lewis would give. Like she is so deep and dark into this role. Um, And in my opinion, she should have won the Oscar for this. This was the year of Glenn Close versus Olivia Coleman and Lady Gaga. And to be honest, 
honest, it pains me because Nicole Kidman it, it is so much better in Destroyer than any of those three other performances, all of which I respect, but there, there's no question. And the only reason she wasn't nominated and didn't win is because of genre bias. And um, it, it's really unfortunate because this should have been, this was an appropriate role for her second Oscar. This is kind of like what she does here is like akin to like the kind of transformation that Charlize Theron does in Monster. Mm, that's um, kind of what I was thinking when I saw some of the imagery from the movie. Yeah, and the trailer and stuff. It's it's film noir. It's, uh, you know, it's a crime film. Um, it's suspenseful. It's uh, And the character is very rough. Um, and she has a scene in this and it's one of my, it's my second favorite Nicole Kidman scene ever um, where she has to kind of confront her daughter and kind of own up to this really, these really morally gray things that she did in the past. And she tells her daughter this over at like a, at like a coffee shop. And it is a devastating scene she plays it so beautifully where she doesn't go out of 10 with like the tears and the theatrics she acts the scene out as this kind of reclusive cop would and it's it's a very sad it's a very tragic scene it's a very tragic story and a tragic character and i somehow feel very close to this character even though she's very morally gray um Mm. it's a it's a transcendent performance like i'm i was obsessed with it for months um wow okay so Karen Kuzama actually directed the film and um, her husband, Phil Hay, wrote the film. Um, and I've actually become friends with them through my advocacy for Destroyer. Like at um, Next Best Picture, I wrote, a, I wrote, you know, week after week about Destroyer and wanting to get Nicole nominated. And I actually was able to become friends with them. And uh, so that's that's very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a great. I love that. That's awesome. I'm hoping that they um, come on my Maybe show. Maybe Nicole's this. next. <laughs> oh, please. I would love that. But um Karen is supposed to come on the two of them are supposed to come on my podcast this summer so um, oh man that's great we have I a tenet- love that. we have a tentative date and I can't wait to just dive in deep like I actually have a they sent me a script um, of Nicole of, of the film with um, Nicole's autograph which oh man that is so great yeah, yeah I, I wish you know some of these kind of like niche genre indie pieces would get a little more love you know from the academy and award circuit but i you know i saw the trailer for it and i saw some of the clips from it and image images and stuff and it it definitely is very intriguing um and it seems like a detachment from anything else that she's done is that fair to say absolutely there is nothing yeah. like and that's how the movie was marketed i think um you know it was marketed as you've never seen nicole kidman like this before and mm-hmm. it, it, there is a lot of truth to it i mean this is not satine this is not um any role that she's like like she's taken before it is a deglamorization it is like she plays a very bad woman um like you know this is uh, it, I, I use the word gray i that that's a ryan perception because i am emotionally invested in her character aaron bell but a more accurate description is she's what what she does is just downright bad like morally wrong um and it's it's hard it, it's so cool because the movie places those decisions at several key points like we were revealed that information about things she's done in the past that are terrible at very key points so it's interesting to see how the whole film works together at the at the end like it's it's a magic trick of a movie i love it to death like i may want to go watch it again now after talking uh, about i know it. I, I think i need to i think i need to speed it up here and check it out man because that's I, I wanted to see it when it came out you know and i just i never did so i need to check it out man and I promise you I will because you really sold it to me tonight. So, And you have to message me after you watch it. I will. I will. I will. <laughs> okay. 
I will. So Destroyer is your number two. I didn't expect that. But again, that's one of the few uh, blind spots I've got on her resume. So I need to check that one out, Ryan. So my number two, you've already mentioned, is Being the Ricardos. Wow. Yeah, dude. Uh, we She did get nominated for an Oscar for this. And I think it was deserved. And she, um, you know, we already kind of talked about it. But I just love her taking on this literal icon, you know, and she she really embodied the human side of Lucy. And you kind of already mentioned that because, you know, she wasn't really playing. I mean, there's some, you know, scenes that take place in the movie, which I also think were reenacted really well, uh, where she, you know, plays her on the TV show or whatever. But generally speaking, you know, 85, 90 percent of this movie, she's playing kind of like Lucille behind, you know, behind the curtain, behind closed doors. And she really brings that human element to that character that's been larger than life and kind of been in our in the back of everyone's mind. Because, you know, I, I wasn't alive in the 50s and 60s, so I had to kind of see reruns and hear my grandparents talk about it and, um, you know, become become a fan that way. So to have it kind of humanized and told to me, you know, through the lens of these characters, you know, Javier Bardem also, I thought, did a really good job and deserved his nomination also. Um, they play off of each other really well. But, you know, Lucy loves her husband so much. She is really proud of the work that they do together. She's proud of her show. Uh, she wants to protect her name. But, you know, the love is for him and kind of like that connection there is just kind of clouds everything else. And I thought Nicole did an awesome job just portraying just kind of that struggle that she was always living. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, um, you know, one thing that I, um, I, I just want to point out about her final scene, um, you know, so there's a moment where the film kind of arcs is um, they're doing this episode. Finally, they're filming it that they've been working on the entire, the entire movie. Um, And Desi's line is Lucy, I'm home. And she just freezes. So minutes before this, she finds out that Desi cheated on her, that he lied to her. And he was like kind of gaslighting her about cheating on her. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that she says um, earlier on in the film or that Desi says, or somebody says is that um, Lucy didn't something to the effect of like, you know, she wanted to have a home more than anything and this image of a home for mm-hmm. her family. And it's almost like it gets stolen from her in that moment. And that's why she freezes up. It is so brilliant. And it's such yeah. a, a crescendo of a, 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 you know, of a piece. Like she, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin too. I mean, the direction had a lot. I mean, you know, I, I'm not drawn to him as a director you know, I mean, I know he doesn't have a ton of movies under his belt, but as a screenwriter, yeah, even though it's, I mean, we all know it's a bit wordy, right? <laughs> we don't know people really talk like that in real life. I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, but as a, as a director, I mean, you know, yeah, hit or miss, but I thought he did really well here. I think this is um, easily the best directed film he's had so far. Oh, yeah. And where he really like shines in being the, the, being the Ricardos is, um, as a director, is like, whenever like i think of like the scene early on where they're like at a table read and it's she a lucy is going through in her mind how the scene would play out if they did it this way or that right. way i think that's the way that he uses editing it's so clever and it, it, he does a, he does a great job yeah those were my favorite parts of the movie too where it kind of like went back and forth between the the black and white on the show and like them reading for the show like i, I love that whole cut back and forth too that was my favorite part of that movie, but I love her performance. And like I said, I think she deserved all the accolades for it. I don't, I don't really know why it, I mean, you mentioned it when you talked about it too. I don't really know why it was divisive. Like I just can't see it. Like I thought she did a really good job. So, I mean, who's going to play Lucille ball and not be criticized. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
she killed it. She did. In, in my opinion. So that's my runner up and it was on your list as well at number five. So we're up to our number ones, Ryan. So you had Destroyer, which sounds like it's one of your all times, man. So I'm excited to see what your number one is. What do you got? Yes, so Destroyer is one of my all-time, but this, um, so <laughs> besides uh, Nev Campbell and Scream 3, um, this is probably my, this is my favorite film performance of all time. Um, mm. Favorite Best Actress performance um, ever, and it is actually the one she won the Oscar for, which is The Hours, where she plays um, Virginia Woolf. Um, mm. So before, earlier, when you asked me, why Nicole Kidman? Why do I have a connection with her? Um, it was so hard to not talk about this movie, um, because this was, <laughs> right. this is the movie that made me fall in love with her as an actor um she uh, her uh, first of all the hours is one of my favorite movies of all time as well it um was such a a pivotal movie for me growing up in terms of opening my eyes to academic um criticism academic feminism um virginia wolf herself um i who i studied in college and wrote a thesis on um you know but i was a very unhappy child growing up i was you know a gay kid living in the middle of central pennsylvania in a very hostile environment i was sad i thought i was probably depressed and i think i found a lot of myself in nicole's performance um in the hours uh, and the mm-hmm. way that she depicts uh, Virginia Woolf's depression and how she's, she feels like she is trapped in the countryside and she wants to be in the the city and not feeling like she has the agency over her life. I really identified with that and I, I dug it. Um, and again, uh, this is a performance that really shows the internal aspect of Virginia Woolf because it's based off of a, a book called the hours, which is based mm-hmm. off of Mrs. Dalloway. And um, this uh, so and so much of the book is all about what's going on in the character's mind. And Nicole Kidman plays that in the film so ad- so adeptly. Um, you know, not only that, but she also there's her big claim to fame in the hours is there's this train scene where she uh, she's trying to run away from the countryside and her husband comes to stop her and they have this big brawl where she kind of reasserts herself and tells her husband how unhappy she is and how she feels like she's dying and it's um if i picked destroyer in the coffee shop scene for the second best nicole kidman scene this is the best best and they're very similar mm-hmm. because it's nicole kidman just kind of having a moment to just talk at another character um and she has a beautiful monologue and it's um you know she goes through anger she goes through like you know this uh, f- she goes through this fight like it's it's just a beautiful beautiful performance and you know i the words uh, just live in my mind rent free um you know it's, it's such a beautiful performance that's awesome man and i can tell the personal connection for you too i mean that always that always gets it you know (laughs) that always just takes it out of us man so i really love hearing that story that's a movie i haven't seen since it came out um wow i i do remember it fondly but i you know i haven't seen i I saw it in the theater back then it was that's early 2000s right wasn't that like that's like 20 years ago right 2002 20 years yeah Yeah. oh oh oh, exactly 20 years ago yeah so i haven't seen it since then so i need another one you're giving me homework which is cool man (laughs) any reason to watch nicole kidman i'm down brother Okay. Well, the hours is your number one. Good pick, man. So look, we're talking about personal connection. You know, I could be forgetting a film or two, but if we're talking horror, the closest thing I think Nicole Kidman's gotten to a lead performance in a horror film is in 2001's The Others. And it's also a movie that fucking floored me when I saw it. And I just love the quiet um, dread in this movie. Uh, that it's a period piece. It takes place, uh, I believe, after World War II. And Nicole Kidman is like just 
just portrays this character of Grace in the movie, which is the foundation, the anchor of this film. And she portrays this character, and we're connected to her immediately. I mean, the, the movie actually opens on her waking up from a nightmare and just having this, like, uh, panic attack almost. And, you know, that performance alone in the first, like, 30 seconds of the movie is tremendous. And, but throughout the rest of the film, she's just portraying this character, Grace, with, like, this delicate lunacy. You know, like, she's very soft and, like fragile but at the same time you get a sense like something's a little off with her like she's going a little mad she's kind of losing her mind um and then there's a huge plot twist in this movie that i didn't see coming i don't think we're going to spoil a 21 year old film for anyone ryan but it was kind of in the same vein as like the sixth sense which came out around the same time but you kind of learn that plot twist and it i don't know my heart just went what like it really got me there's some very very memorable imagery and scenes in this movie and they all involve uh, involve nicole kidman uh but you know the scene where the telepath is dressed up like her daughter and she's like what are you mad i am your daughter i mean that's just fucking haunting dude like it just it just you'll remember it forever so I don't know about the rewatchability on the others, although I will tell you that with my daughter, she's 20 years old now. I rewatched this film with her and she had never seen it a few years ago. And what I will tell you that if they don't know the twist, which they wouldn't in this day and age, unless they just, I don't know, Googled it. But I mean, they wouldn't come upon it on their own, really. It, it is it is awesome to watch with somebody that's never seen it before. And I did that with her a few years ago. I'm going to do it with my son when he's old enough to do it in a, in a few more years. So I, you know, don't won't spoil it for them, but watching them watch it, it's just shot really beautifully. I love the dimly lit, just kind of like dread in this movie. And Nicole Kidman is is just divine. I absolutely love her portrayal in this movie. Such a quiet, just mad woman that really cares for her children. And then when you learn the plot twist, you just you can't help but just feel for I mean, that's her life. That cycle is her life now. And it's just uh you know, her performance really helped me connect to that. And of course, it's, you know, horror adjacent, at least. No, <laughs> right, it's, right? Horror. It's, it's horror. horror. It's horror, right? Yeah. I I have to say, I love The Others. The Others is, um, it's a it's my number seven. Uh, so it's, okay. it's very close to the top. And it's sad because because of the rule about an actor can't be nominated twice, um, you know, in the same year, same category. Uh, she wasn't really, because Moulin Rouge was on the table and that was the best picture contender, uh, she wasn't going to be nominated for this, but she should have been. I, this is an, uh, like an, like an example of where she, there a two, an actor should have been nominated twice in one year. It yeah. is, uh, you know, uh, this performance is kind of like, it's similar to To Die For, I guess, in the sense of being kind of hammy because she does get, to, uh, like you said, sh- she's mad and like the, the, the performance is like, it's it's a, it's very high strung and mm-hmm. you 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 know that she's performing but the performance itself is so committed and um like it's deranged in in a lot of senses and mm-hmm. um like and it's so tragic too like like you said like the uh, the twists really the way it recontextualizes the film and grace herself and the reflection she has it's 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 a it's a very tragic um character and story um but you know the the lines that she has like towards the climax and she says leave us in peace leave us in peace like that just still haunts my mind. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I love the others. And I, and if you get a chance to watch it with somebody that's never seen it, guys, do it. Because uh, especially if they don't know the twist, because it's just a really it's just a really fun watch to watch with somebody like on the couch one night, get some popcorn, turn the lights off and go for it. But the others from 2001 is my number one Nicole Kidman performance. So I don't know. Were you surprised by that one? 
I guess a little bit. I was, uh, yeah. I, I, I probably, I was expecting you to have the others eyes wide shut, um, maybe mm. Dogville, <laughs> um, but mm. uh, so uh, you know, I, I'm not totally surprised, but I'm glad that you mentioned it because I, I wish I could have. So nice, nice. All right, Ryan, we're gonna take a quick promo break, just like a minute or so. When we come back, guys, we will give our honorable mentions, the movies that didn't crack our top five, and then we're also gonna head over to social media and see what the fans had to say. So sit tight, and we will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Ryan C. Showers, my man from the Scream with Ryan C. Showers podcast, is here. And we're not talking Scream tonight, although we did a little bit. We kind of cheated. We talked a little bit about it in the <laughs> beginning, but we have to when Ryan's here, so that's okay. But what we did talk about was Nicole Kidman, and we each gave our five favorite Nicole Kidman performances. So with only five spots, Ryan, I'm assuming you have some other movies that you or performances, I should say, that you want to shout out that are in your honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. I wish I could shout out like 17, but um, <laughs> my how many am I allowed to do? Six through 10, man. Just list them. OK, so six would be Rabbit Hole. Seven mm-hmm. is The Others. Um, eight is Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, nine is Birth. And 10 is The Paperboy. I don't know birth. What's birth? Oh wow! So uh, she plays a like an Upper East Side like uh, Manhattan uh, socialite kind of, and mm. uh, her husband dies, and then a year later, a little boy comes to a party that she's having and claims to be her husband reincarnated, and it's a very daring. Wow, that's a cool premise. I like that. Yeah, it's a thriller. It's genre. Um, it's a, it's a very it's a very underrated film, and Nicole is still proud of it. She still talks about it. Um, but uh, so the whole movie is is this boy telling the truth is, is he not and she kind of gives into it in a way and like there's actually a, a scene that lasts for two two minutes straight where she's at the opera and she's starting to di- digest the information and mm-hmm. like she's starting to be con- convinced that it, this is her husband and it just sits on her face a close-up of her face for two minutes straight as there's opera music and she's just kind of you should just it's just, the, the terror on her face is just it's a very artistic okay. film so uh, no and that's birth like b-i-r-t-h yes and okay. All right. I'll there's actually like a, a scene that was very controversial at the time where she's actually gets in like the little boy gets in the bathtub with her. Oh, um, uh, okay. So that's kind of why the movie never. She got nominated for a Golden Globe for it, um, and w- of course rave reviews. And it, she is outstanding. But um, you know that's the, the controversy kind of um, you know kick overshadowed you know, it, right? Yeah, kicked her chances in the butt. So all right, I got you. I'll have to check it out regardless. All right, so my number six would have been Practical Magic. Uh, a little more horror adjacent stuff here, but uh, she plays a sexy witch, man. What are you going to do? You know, <laughs> was 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 Sandra Bullock. So I I ate it up. I already told you I loved her in that time period, and uh, you know it's a real kind of guilty pleasure movie, Practical Magic. But I love that one. You already mentioned Rabbit Hole would have been my seven. My eight would have been her portrayal of this kind of like hot, weird, uh, just kind of villain almost in the Stepford Wives would okay. be. 
Uh, I really enjoyed her in that movie, and I think that movie's strange enough to you kind of have to love it. <laughs> and my number my number nine would have been Moulin Rouge, and then my number ten would have been The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which also is a fantastic genre movie and genre performance. Uh, she's she's great in it. I mean, you, you can't argue with that. Yeah, I agree. Love her in that movie. So we like to wrap up every episode, Ryan, by heading over to social media media and seeing what the fans had to say. So let me pull that up here real quick and see if they uh, got any that we failed to mention. Probably did because she had so many movies, man. I was looking at her IMDb earlier. It's like, I didn't count them, but it's like 100 films. I mean, it's crazy. She's been to so much stuff Yeah, uh, going all the way back to, I think, the late 80s on IMDb. So I just said, what are your favorite Nicole Kidman performances? And we got uh, Pete from the Cobra Kai podcast. He says far and away uh, with old Tommy boy there. We didn't mention that one. Okay. I mean, I, I wouldn't mention that. I mean, I think it's fine, but it's, I wouldn't put it at her top. Okay. <laughs> and he also says Batman forever and Mulan Rouge. What do you think about Batman forever, man? There you go. You know, I'm actually, a huge, <laughs> I love her in that. I, I'm a huge Batman person actually. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, I, I enjoy her in that, but I don't know if I necessarily take it as serious, like as a, as a big performance, if that makes sense. I think right, she's, I think right. she's lovely in it, but, but I do, I do love her in it though. Yeah. Joshua Michael says the others is the first that comes to mind when you ask that also dead calm. And even though she was uh, in a supporting role, he's going to say days of thunder. Okay. 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 Yeah. More of her uh, connection with Tom Cruise there. Yeah, for sure. That that was actually my introduction to Nicole Kidman was days of thunder. Yeah. Cause my, my father was a huge like NASCAR fan. So when that movie came out, it was like, we had to see it. It was like freaking religion, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was the first time I really remember like remembering who she was, was from days of thunder, you know? And ever since then it was like, Oh, this, it's Nicole Kidman from Days of Thunder. So that was the first movie I really saw her in. Uh, Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, says Eyes Wide Shut. We talked a little bit about that one. A, a little bit. I wish I, I wish that I had time, more time to talk about it. Eyes Wide Shut is a very, um, is one of my, uh, I love. it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And really, I, I would have given her a nomination, if not the win for for that. Like she's, every time I watch that, she just, she, she, I get under her spell and like her monologue. Mm-hmm. She has like two or three monologues. That's her performance. And uh, there's something about uh, the, the monotone aspect of her and like the, the daringness of her character that always gets me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Joey Austin says my life says she was heartbreaking and warming. Uh, Patrick Sherwood <laughs> says her intro at the AMC. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair Have enough. You- have you seen that yet? Have you had a chance to see that? Oh, my God. I, I see it all the time. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you go to the AMC, but I just saw it for the first time when I saw Elvis, which was just a couple weeks ago. So I was like, wow. Okay. Nicole Kidman's <laughs> doing her thing here. Um, let's see. Michelle, patron and friend of the show, says Practical Magic was the first role she saw her in. And then she also lists BMX Bandits. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one. but Me uh, neither. But. I'll, take, I'll take it. Phil Rude says uh, Big, Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. We talked about that when Amanda says big little lies, killing of a sacred deer and the beguiled. Cool. Very cool. Cute. Yeah. Chris Yaney, uh, he mentioned every, big little lies, Batman forever and days of thunder. Let's see what else we got. Let's see if there's any, we have, Oh, here's one we haven't mentioned yet. Actually, this might get you, this might get you going here. So, uh, patron David Powell says, <laughs> I don't want to read this. You're such a, you, you love Nicole, but he says she is terrible at everything in my opinion, but she benefits from being in these awesome movies where she's elevated, elevated to being decent by the movie around her. Mm-hmm. So his, his three are killing of a sacred deer, my life and the Northman, which we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I actually, because of my my law school self, um, I actually haven't seen The Northman yet. I'm wait- I've been waiting for for it to come out on DVD. Oh so. wow! Uh, it's also streaming on Peacock. I don't know if you have it. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, it's, I, 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 you know, I, I'm a busy guy, but I need to, I need to make time for it for sure. Yeah, you are. Julio kind of got on David. He said, "Seriously, dude, have you ever seen To Die For?" So Julio knows what's up. <laughs> um, Thank you, Julio. Yeah, Julio got it, got our back there. Uh, and then Julio's list was, or the three that he chose were To Die For, Bombshell, and of course, Batman Forever in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> she is, she is pretty memorable in that though. Mm-hmm. And I'll end on Sam Hurley because he's got um, one that we didn't mention. I think you may have mentioned it briefly, but he said uh, Batman Forever, Dogville, and Killing of a Sacred Deer. So we didn't mention Dogville. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that one though. She she was awesome in that. I thought. What about you? Oh, I, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful performance. Um, and that's a performance that really appeals to like the film Twitter yeah. crowd. If that makes sense, it's super artsy fartsy, and um, it, it, she rises to, to the challenge of um the the weird mechanics of that movie and uh it's a very it's a very quiet performance but it's 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 very effective so i agree man this was a lot of fun ryan i appreciate you pitching nicole kidman and i know you're going to come back in a couple months and we're going to do oh man i wonder what you're going to mention but we're going to do our favorite horror franchises and um, that's going to be of all time, Ryan. So I don't know. Do you think you'll talk about Scream or? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I, mean, I think I it's going to miss the cut. It'll be like the honorable mention. <laughs> It'll be your number six. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> Scream. I'm not putting it in my horror franchises until I see part six. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to that too, man. That's going to be a that's going to be a crackerjack show, bro. Because we're going to have uh, I'm going to have three guests on and myself. Cool. And we're, and we're all horror fanatics. So I think it's going to be a great conversation. But Ryan will be back for that. Ryan, in the meantime, man, why don't you tell them where they can find the Scream podcast? Because if they like the Scream movies in any way whatsoever, I definitely think they should look you up, buddy. So just tell them where they can find you real quick, man. Yeah, you can find uh, Scream with Ryan C. Showers anywhere. You can get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Airglue Media is my podcast network. My show is available through their website as well, but Audible, Stitcher, you name it, I'm there. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter. Um, I also have Patreon. I'm Scream with Ryan C. Showers or Scream with RCS. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot to me, brother. You know what? I I felt like it was absolutely needed after the Casey Becker uh yeah. yeah, and that was a blast, man. So if you ever need me back for screen, please let me know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I could tell you what I want to talk about, but <laughs> you can pick something for me if you want. But uh, anytime I get to talk horror and, you know, as I told you on that episode, Scream is one of my all-time favorites. So, Well, what, what, what would you like to talk about? Hmm. What could I? What could I talk about? Let me uh, let me come up with something because yeah. you know there's a lot of scream stuff floating out there now. So I, I don't want. I want to be. I want to pick something fun. What if? Have you done um, the needle drops yet? Have you talked about the needle drops in Scream yet? Not per se, but hmm. uh, that, that that could be an episode. We could do our favorite needle drops in the franchise. Okay. Maybe, okay. Or you know uses of songs or whatever. Yeah. It might be fun. Mm-hmm. I'll wear my ghost face mask for it. It'll be great. Okay. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks for being here, man. And I'll talk to you in a couple months when we talk horror. But until then, I really appreciate it, buddy. All right. I appreciate it, too. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. And I know.